0: Uh, Good morning. Welcome to all of you, the extras who have joined the room since worship started. Hello. How are you? (laughs) So we are in the last part of this series uh, where uh, we've been looking at the gap between our beliefs and our actions. Um, That is, we've uh, been talking about how we know what we should do and we don't do that and we know what we shouldn't do and somehow that we do uh, quite a bit and we have all experienced this at one point or another. Uh, in our life. This is not a unique struggle to any of us, to any of you, to any of uh, you. And we've been kind of wading through some pretty thick scripture uh, over the last few weeks, some theology. And today I'm going to try and land this whole thing uh, and try and wrap it up and give you something that you can grab hold onto and really go out and put all this into practice. Now, one of the reasons that many of you, why I, many of us struggle Uh, with this gap that exists uh, in our life is because we have kind of bought into what has been modeled for us in our religious experience uh, growing up. And we approach Christianity just like that, as a religion. Um, And you need to understand that Jesus did not come to start another religion. Uh, There were plenty of religions. You name the number of countries, the number of nations, uh, there were that many religions. Uh, The last thing the world needed was another um, religion. Perhaps maybe I can explain it um, this way. Uh, In uh, every single religion that exists, in all of religions, in the history of religions, every single one that exists, they all have three things in common. Here's what they have in common. You ought to, you don't, you're toast. That idea spreads across every single religion that has ever existed. That's religion. That's it. That is religion. Go pick any religion. Sit under the leader for a while. Listen to him talk, right? Take lots of notes. Determine to yourself. Say to yourself, I'm going to do that, right? Then don't do that. The leader says, you're in trouble. You violated our religion, In fact, C.S. Lewis, uh, the author, uh, he wrote uh, a book called The Abolition of Man. Well, the great book, um, and he looks at all the religions, and he finds that they all have laws or rules in common, that they all share, right? Here's just a few of them. The first one is this, don't harm others. Every religion has this rule, right? Here's another, don't lie, Every religion, that's not unique to Christianity. Here's another one. Don't have sex with another person's spouse. Every major religion has that rule. Don't do that, right? Here's another one. Care for the weaker. That is those who are weaker than you, you should take care of. Every major religion has that rule. They all have this stuff. And in every single religion, people don't do these things, (laughs) They fail to do it and then they feel guilt and then they are trouble, in trouble with their God or their gods or their church or their leaders or whoever, they're into trouble because they don't do their those things. That is the religious experience, universal. We've all had it, right? But today I wanna try and explain the divergent views um, between following Jesus, the way that Jesus and Paul talked about following Jesus uh, and a religious approach, to Christianity and going about it that way. Now, if you go with the religious approach, that's fine. That's perfectly okay for you to do. Uh, In fact, when it comes to uh, Christians, especially in America, if you take the religious approach to it, you will be in the majority uh, of Christians. Um, But you'll be frustrated. And you'll be frustrated for most of your life and your religious experience because it doesn't really work in fact, most of the times when I hear somebody say, uh, yeah, I tried church, I tried religion, I tried Christianity. It didn't work for me. Uh, I began to ask just a few questions and I realized that the reason it doesn't work is because they followed the religious version, not the Paul Jesus follow Jesus version. And so it didn't work. That what they were observing was absolutely true. That it doesn't work. Um, Work, because here's what happens. In the religious version of it, you spend your life trying to be like Jesus. Good luck with that. None of us are Jesus. We established way earlier in this series that we are all godless sinners. (laughs) That's what we are. And so if we try to be like Jesus, we are going to fail. I mean, come on, you can't even be like another person you wanna be like, let alone like Jesus, I mean, you can't be as athletic as whoever your favorite professional athlete is. You can't do it. You can't sing like whoever your favorite singer is. Lord, all of you sitting in the room, no, I can't sing like whoever my favorite singer is, right? You can't act like whoever your famous, favorite actor is. You can't dance like whoever your favorite dancer is. So how in the world do you ever expect yourself to act like Jesus, You can't, you'll just be frustrated. But I have some good news for you Um, because if just in and of itself with the whole religious experience with that being religion, that'd be very uh, demoralizing. But God did not send Jesus into the world to be a model for you to live up to because you can't. And so Jesus came to give his life up for you but not only for you, but to give his life that you can't mimic, to give that life to you. And that's an important distinction, right? He he did that. And until that becomes our approach that I'm not trying to live my life like Jesus, I'm trying to allow Jesus to live his life through me. Until we do that, uh, we're just gonna be a Christian who acts like all of the other religious people who are trying to follow certain rules and we can't and we fail, right? But you all already know that. You're smart people. You've had life experience. You know that this is the case, right? Now, Paul, who gave us this insight, right, gives us the snapshot of what his experience is. And we every week, we've looked at this verse uh, to see what his struggle is, what our struggle is. Here how he said it. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. Now, this is not the experience in the writings of a pagan, of some reprobate, of some horrible, horrible person who isn't even trying. So this is the experience of a religious person who is saying, I know what I ought to do. I don't do it. And I feel guilty all the time. I know what I ought to do. I don't do it. I feel guilty all the time. I know what I ought to do. I don't do it. I feel guilty all the time. That is the religious experience. Then, unfortunately, the church came along and said, hey, we're gonna give you more rules to go along with all the other rules that you already can't keep up with. So then once you break all the rules that are already there, then you can do penance or you can say several of these types of prayers. Uh, You can pay back God by suffering or giving up things. Uh, anytime Anytime you fall short, we'll give you things to do to make it up to God. So the whole church in general, the big church, took this swing way towards religion Because that's what religion does. And Paul says, listen, I understand the frustration. He keeps going. He says, if I do what I do not want to do, and here's going to be our jumping off point for today, I agree that the law, pause, pick a law, any law. He's talking about the Jewish law here, but it can be any law. Pick it. I agree that the law is good. In other words, I'm not saying the rules are bad, is Paul's position. I am saying I can't keep them. And there's a distinction there. He's saying, I I think everybody should put other people first. I just don't do that very well. I I, I don't think that we should lust after other people's spouses. But sometimes I do that. Right? I, I don't think I should be stingy. I think I should be generous. But sometimes I have problems doing that. I know the law. I think the law is good. I just don't keep it very well. Welcome to religion. That's the experience. And so Paul talks about kind of this relationship with the law. And while he's talking about the Jewish law, um, this applies to every. Religion, it applies to your own law. You have personal laws. You may not, they may not be official. You may not have them written down. You may not even realize you do them, but you have things that dictate the way you think you should live your life. And you don't even keep your own laws that you set, that you decided on. So Paul writes about it and he tries his best to differentiate the differences between following Jesus and living under the law. And he tells us that as long as we are approaching Christianity from the viewpoint of trying to keep all of the laws, you will never experience the Christian life the way it was meant to be experienced. So then he says stuff like this. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the sinful nature... God did. Do you know what the law is good for? The law is very good for something. You know what it is? Do you, do you, let, me, let me ask you, let's take the word law off it because that might be weird. Do you know what your conscience, which is your inner voice telling you how you're doing against the law, do you know what your conscience is good for? The law and your conscience are good for your are bad, you're bad, fail, 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 fail. fail. That is what the law and your conscience are good for. I had a good weekend. I did everything I was supposed to do. I had two good weekends. I did everything I was supposed to do. Uh Uh-oh, third weekend I messed up. Law and conscience. You're bad, you're bad, you're bad. Fail, fail, fail. That's the process. Crash and burn. You're toast, right? And then they'll come along. There'll be some religious, religious people that tell you how to make that up to God. And then one day it occurs to you, if you're a uh, adult who takes some time to sit and think about this kind of stuff, one day it occurs to you, wait a minute, when I'm, there's all these rules, and these laws I'm following, and then when I mess it up and I'm bad and I fail, then somebody comes along and tells me all the things that I've got to do. Who, who, who made all that stuff up? Where did all of that stuff even come from, right? How does this guy know what is gonna make me right with God? How does any idea, Right? If I do all of these things, how does he know? So Paul says the only good thing that the law is for is to give you your grade on how you're behaving. And guess what? Almost all of us, when we get our grade, is a big fat F. (laughs) Because we can't do it in and of ourselves. And this is powerful because the law cannot help you become a better person. The law is just a mirror showing you how bad of a person you are. So Paul says this, for what the law was powerless to do, that is to help you be a better person, because it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did. Now here's the big contrast, is that God has done something for you that the law was powerless to do. And if you were raised in church, you go, yeah, 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 I know. God has made it so that I go to heaven when I die. And that's not what Paul's talking about. He's not talking about the sweet by and by. Yes, Christ died on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. But what we've been talking about is that not only did he forgive your sins, which are your actions, the verb version of sins, those things you did. But he broke the power of sin, noun, the thing, over your life. And actually the law in the way that it's set up and the way that it reflects your behavior at you actually gives more power to sin, to have control over your life. That's what it does. Our default approach to God is through the law. I mean, everybody from your mama to your pastor growing up has taught you this. But eventually, eventually that will lead to defeat because none of us can live up to the law. And then we make ourselves feel better by saying, well, nobody's perfect, right? Then we go right back to trying to keep the law. Now here's the hinge verse for today. Chapter six, verse 14. He says this, for sin shall no longer be your master. And we spent time. Talking about this, hopefully some of you have been walking around muttering to yourself under your breath this week, sin is not my master. But then look at this part, is no longer my master because, yes, Paul, please tell me, why is sin no longer my master? Because you are not under the law. (laughs) To which we're reading that as good Christians growing up, being judged by the law and trying to keep it. You know, our response is, wait, what? What, wait, what? Yeah, sin is no longer your master. Yeah, you said that, but why? Because you're no longer under the law. Okay, Paul, I believe you. I just don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) What does that mean? Because the law says you should, but you don't. Bam, ask for forgiveness, right? That's most people's religious experience. But Paul says, if you want to be free from under the power of sin, you must learn to live lawlessly, which on the face of it sounds absurd, right? But you've got to live to learn out from under the law. Okay, so what does that mean? Does that mean I just get to do whatever I want? No, of course that's not what that means. No, well, what does it mean? Well, that's what we're here to talk about today. We are going to answer that question. Look at how Paul finishes the verse. You are not under the law, but under grace. In other words, there is a division in the road, right? And there are two different approaches that you can take. One leads to failure, 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 because you can never live up to it, right? You have good days, you have good weeks, and then you crash and burn and you have bad ones. Then when you get older, you stop struggling with some things. Here's where it can get tricky for us. Because there's things that you struggle with in your life. Then when you get older, you stop struggling with them, right? And you think, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. I don't struggle with that thing that I used to struggle with. And the answer is, "Eh, yeah, you're not really getting better. You're just now struggling with different things. (laughs) Each stage of life, each level of maturity, each environment you find yourself in presents you with different struggles, and so when you're no longer in an area where the struggle you were struggling with is a temptation to you or something that you deal with, it doesn't necessarily mean you've progressed or gotten better. It just means you're not around that thing anymore. And now there's new things that you're struggling with. And so the struggle is still there, right? And Paul says there's a better way, but you're gonna have to abandon the way of the law and understand the way of grace. Here's how Jesus talked about this idea. And John, he says this. He says, I am the vine... You are the branches. If you remain or abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, what does that say about the 10 commandments? Jesus' little statement there. Well, uh, yeah. what, what does that say about, uh, here are four things you need to do in order to, Fill in the blank. Uh, Doesn't say much about that. No, no, no. What does that say about keeping the law? Uh, Not a whole lot. What that says is, Jesus is saying, you need to learn to abide in me. That I'm like the vine. I am the center of life. Everything flows out of me and you need to be branches attached to me. And when you are, my life can flow into you. And that's when you begin to see fruit in your life. That's when you begin to see maturity and advancement. That's when you begin to see yourself not feeling like a failure because you're not living up to this external law that exists. And oh, by the way, if you don't do that, if you stay separate from me, you know what you have the ability to do? Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. And Jesus says, I don't even want you to try to do that. I don't want you to try to be separate from me and live up. I don't want you to try to be a rule follower. I don't want, what I want is for you to just get closer to me and abide in me. And if you change your approach from the law and rule keeping to abiding and remaining, here's what's going to happen. You're going to look behind you one day and you're going to realize, wow, There's a lot of fruit from my life being produced. Wow, there's people who are being positively affected because of me around me, because of the way my life is now. Wow, I am not struggling with the things that I used to struggle with, right? And that will begin to happen, not because you're trying to do things, but just by the basis of staying closer to Jesus, trying to abide in him, Those things are a natural outflowing of that. And people will look at you and then they'll say, well, you've changed. And you'll say, I know. I'm not sure how. (laughs) I'm not trying to do things different. And they'll ask, what are you doing different then? I don't know what I'm doing different. I feel like I'm doing less than I've ever done. I feel like I'm trying, not trying near as hard as I've tried in the past to behave properly. Well, what happened? Why is it different? I don't know what's different. But what's happening is you're learning to abide in Christ, to get closer to him, to let that be his life flowing through you. So you're not trying to mimic him. You're literally letting him live his life through you. Now, doesn't that sound a lot different than approaching life to just, okay, here's the rules and I'm never going to, and I won't be, and I'll avoid, and I'll always. And those are two completely different approaches to how you handle life. Um, here's how, here's how in the letter of Galatians, Paul takes this idea and, and tries to explain it. And he may not have, may or may not clear up what it means to go from living under the law to living in a relationship with God. Here's what he says in Galatians chapter five. So I say, walk by the spirit. There you have it. That's all you need to know. Let's close in prayer. Now, that's kind of nebulous, isn't it? Walk by the Spirit. Um, Okay, Paul, we're gonna walk by the Spirit. Tell us how to do that. How do I walk by the Spirit? Here you go, walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. Well, don't just tell me again, Paul. That doesn't help. How how do I do that? And he's simply gonna tell us, listen, this is a new paradigm. That means you need to walk with the Spirit. That means keep in step with, keep up with, right? Be sensitive to, take your cues from, the spirit that lives in you through Christ. And here's what will happen if you do that. You will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If you walk by the spirit, you will get to the end of the day and you will say, wow, that day was different. That if you spend, if you start your day out saying, Jesus, I'm with you. Your thing is gonna be my thing. And whatever it is, whatever it looks like for you, to begin to be able to, to do that, to draw closer. If that's the quiet time that you have to have in the morning or if reading scriptures, having scriptures around for you to read to kind of put your mind back to, okay, this is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to keep in step with that. If it's a way that you kind of just continually throughout the day, just kind of have a running dialogue prayer in the back of your mind where you're kind of in conversation with Jesus, whatever it looks like for you to try and keep up, keep in step with Jesus and the spirit that's inside of you. If you do that, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That is, you're not gonna do the things you know you're not supposed to do. Well, what are the desires of the flesh? I'm not gonna answer that question. You know exactly what they are for you. (laughs) You don't need me to tell you. It's I shouldn't, but I want to and fill in the blank with whatever that thing is, right? I shouldn't, but I want to Desires of the flesh are the appetites that God gave you, but sin has distorted. So now Paul knows we're slow learners. He knows it takes a little bit of time for us to catch on. So he says this, verse 17, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. So what your natural desire to go after and what following Jesus would want out of you are competing things inside of you. He says they are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. This is the conflict that all of us experience in our religious experience. When you approach life through the law, you lose no matter what you do. Approaching life through the law is a lose-lose scenario because here's why. If you actually are able to, because of your willpower, control your behavior and do the right thing, you feel as if you are missing out on something because that, that sin, that thing you're struggling with, that thing you wanna do, it is uh, promising something. You see all the other people giving into it who are, who, are, who are having a good time who are gaining in life, who are prospering because they're doing the thing that you know isn't the right thing to do and you want to do it. And so even if you do the right thing, you lose because you're looking at what you can't do and you're obsessed with it. But if you do the wrong thing, then you feel guilty and you feel like a failure. Following the law, living under the law is a lose-lose proposition. You either feel guilty because you fail or you don't fail. And then you become arrogant and you start judging all of the people around you who are failing, who are doing all the things that you're looking at them and you're judging them and you're saying things about them. But on the inside, you're just like, dang it, I wish I could do that. Man, I wish I was doing that. And Paul says, this is not the way to go. So he keeps going, he says, but if. In other words, there's another way. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The struggle is no longer there. If you are led by the Spirit, you look over your shoulder at where you have just been, and you see a changed life. And that is different than just tell me the things I'm supposed to do. He keeps going, he says, the acts of the flesh or the sinful nature are obvious, and they're so obvious we're going to skip them. But the fruit of the spirit is, and then he gives us the contrast to what this is. There's acts of the flesh, there's fruits of the spirit. There's, there's what you go after if you just give in to breaking the law and doing what you shouldn't do. And then there's what comes out of your life if you are keeping it in step with the spirit. If you're being a follower of Jesus and the fruit that happens, it's a result of something that happens internally and it just appears, Right? I mean, in the same way that, that you go out to an orchard and you don't see trees just great, you know, straining and grunting, trying to pop out fruit. <laughs> it's not like they're trying hard, right? It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a process. You go out and you watch it day by day. You don't really see the difference. You're like, oh, okay, I see something. What well, kind of looks the same as yesterday. kind of looks the same as yesterday. kind of looks the same as yesterday. But if you look from beginning to end, there's a big difference. And all of a sudden there's fully formed fruit on the end of that. And in the same way as your life is being transformed, it's kind of gonna look day to day, you know, you're not gonna see the big change. And it's not even like you're gonna feel like you're like, okay, I'm gonna struggle. I'm gonna try and produce this, produce this, produce this. Jesus say, no, 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 no. Just start abiding in me. Start becoming familiar with the things that are important to me. Learn the way that I think. I've given you record of it. I gave a lot of teachings of it. Spend time allowing me to, 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 to speak into your conscience. And then before you know it, you're gonna look up and there's fully formed fruit. And you didn't even realize that it was happening. And the way Jesus is saying is, listen, I want to form this fruit through you. I don't want you to try and form it on your own because you can't, you can't. Paul tells us, if you approach that way, instead of giving in to the desires of the flesh, here's the things that are gonna be in your life. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, and then he writes this, there is no Law. Oh, law just reflects everything I'm doing wrong. I'm not supposed to pay attention to that really anymore. I'm supposed to live out from under the law. You know what there's no law about? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self control. There is no law on those things when you see this list, here's what, here's what religious lawkeepers think when they see the list. Here's what they think. They're like, okay, so if I'm gonna be a good Christian, I've got to be more loving, joyful, kind, merciful. And they just add this and they create, they take this list and they make it another to-do another list of things that they've got to keep up with and the, you know, well, I'm going to really determine and by golly, I'm going to do this. I don't care if it kills me. I don't care if I need to get four different accountability partners and get up an hour early to memorize all the scripture. And I'm going to, I'm going to have self-control and I'm going to be kinder. Dang it. (laughs) This is what we do, right? That's what we do. God, thanks for this new list of things I'm supposed to be and do. I'm on my way. I'm going to do it. And Paul says, no, this is a fruit list that happens in you. This isn't what you're supposed to try to do. In fact, he would probably say, knowing the way that we as Christians kind of turn everything into a to-do list, You would probably be like, okay, see this whole list of things I gave that are a a, a result of if you live your life trying to be close to Christ? Don't even look at them. I'm sorry I wrote them because you've turned it into another to-do, right? Don't do that. Just allow God to work in you. Then as you begin to live in Christ, as you begin to intentionally focus your mind that way instead of just allowing your mind to focus on everything that it does through the day. And there's things you have to focus on through the day. But the problem is, is we focus on all the things for like the whole day, then multiple days, then multiple weeks, and every once in a while we're like, oh yeah, 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 the whole Jesus thing. And there's no way that Jesus will be able to produce his life in you when that's all that he gets. You've got to intentionally put your mind back in that direction. Then you get at the end of the day, the end of the week, the end of the month, and you look behind you and say, I don't know how it happened. I wasn't intentionally trying to, but I have more patience. I have more kindness. I have more love. I have more self-control. I have more joy. And it isn't a struggle like it used to be. Something has changed. This is not a to-do list. This is a fruit list. So stop trying to do it and begin to try to learn what it means to get closer to Jesus and live in him. Then Paul ends with this. He says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And we spent a chunk of time talking about that a few weeks ago. He says, since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. That essentially is what the Christian life is. Forget the rules. Just focus on the spirit and try to keep in step with the spirit. So here here are a few um, starter steps that you can take to kind of make this, begin to have this happen in your life. Here's the first step. Accept the new identity. Accept the new identity that says, I am in Christ. I am in Christ. What is true of Christ is true of me right? I am forgiven and I am accepted. It doesn't matter if I fail against the law. I am forgiven and I accept it and I have died to the power of sin, right? Then second thing, once you've accepted that, embrace this new approach. Embrace it. Sin, you are not my master. I hope you've been mumbling that the last couple of weeks. But you've got to get to the point where you say, I'm going to stop trying to behave correctly, I'm going to start to be in relationship with God and start to listen to his spirit, which is weird sounding. Is it spooky? Is there a voice I'm listening for? Uh, I've never heard a voice. I never want to hear a voice. If I had a voice, I would freak out and be done with all of it probably, right? But the new approach is this. God, I know the things that I'm supposed to do and I will fail. So today... Try to teach me to walk closer to you and allow you to produce that fruit in my life. And then the third one is this, and this is really important. Refuse to interact with God on the basis of the law. Because interacting by law says, I did it again, I'm a failure. I did it again, I'm a failure. When actually our response should be more like this. God, I am out of step with the spirit right now. So please help draw me back closer. That should be our approach. Not I'm a failure. I broke the law again. I can't keep up. What's the point? No, it's like, ah, mm, things are going right. I'm giving into that. God, I'm out of step. Help me get closer to being in step with you. Now, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. It is a whole lot easier to just try and be religious. It really is. But it's way more frustrating. And you will never be able to live like Jesus. So your only hope, if you want to shrink that gap between what you know you should do, but you can't, and what you shouldn't do, but you always do, your only hope is begin to allow Jesus to live his life through you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, I thank you uh, for the encouragement, for the hope that we find in these passages. Uh, Lord, I thank you that these take the pressure off of us to even remotely think that it is on us to be able to behave perfectly according to the law. Lord, it is a huge relief to me to know that that's not the way that you want me to interact with you. That you don't want me living my life like I am always a constant failure because I can't attain to the law. But that you invite us to allow your life to become full in us and to live your life through us And you don't ask for standards of behavior. Lord, you just ask us to continually try to draw closer to you. And when we do, the byproduct of that is the gap between our beliefs and our behavior disappears. Lord, let us become known as people, as a church who walk in the spirit and the fruit that is shown in our lives makes a difference around us. And it's not something we did. It's something you did through us. Lord, I thank you for your mercy and for your grace. In your name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being out. Uh, enjoy the holiday weekend. Next weekend, no service. And uh, look forward to meeting back in two weeks. It's so beautiful.